Welcome to the Field Notes podcast, where we talk about all things happening with Esri Field Operations. My name is Demaya. And my name is Josh, and we're product writers on the Esri Field Apps team. Hello, joining us today from Melbourne, Australia is Marika Vertsonis, product engineer and doc lead for ArcGIS App Studio, Survey123, and Quick Capture. Welcome to the podcast, Marika. Thanks for joining Welcome. us today. Hello, Josh. Hi, Demaya. Thank you for having me. And before we kind of dig in, I think it's so cool that one, you're joining us from Australia, Demaya's in Southern California. I'm in Maine, so we have quite the geographic reach. Uh, Very global. Today. Yeah, exactly. Uh, fits the theme, right? So today we are going to talk about form-centric field data collection. So that's using surveys and rapid collection tools on your mobile device to capture data and record observations. Yeah, but before we jump into all things field mobility and form-centric data collection, Marika, could you introduce yourself and tell listeners about what you do and who you are? Cool. Yeah. So my um, working background is environmental engineering. Um, before I joined Esri, I worked in local government for water authorities and engineering consulting. And one of my key roles was to swap out the role of paper plans that teams would go out into the field with, um, with some technology that would streamline both their field work and my GIS workflows. Um, and that's how I met my current Esri team, um, doing exactly that. I was struggling to get a Bluetooth GNSS receiver to connect to our devices uh, consistently. Um, but I figured out that the team that built the app that I was using were just down the road. So I went and knocked on the door and we had a Bluetooth therapy session. Um, and as I was leaving, I gave a bit of a throwaway comment of, um, call me if you got room on the team for someone who uses your apps in the field. Um, and I joined them a few months later, working on testing and documentation. It's now been 15 years with that team. And although that initial remit still stands, um, testing and documentation, the diversity and reach of our, our work has just grown exponentially. Nice. Thank you. May I ask what you were testing in the beginning? Same stuff that we're doing now. How do you collect data in the field and make sure what you're seeing on the screen is accurately reflects what you're mm -hmm. seeing out there in the real world? Nothing's changed. <laughs> Very cool. That's funny that you started with that. Hey, call me if you ever want to. And now uh, famous last <laughs> words, right? And then here we are. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. And I think that's really cool, right? Uh, always, uh, you know, large proportion of the team have come from that um, user space and using our tools out there in the real world. And um, uh, it continues with our, our strong um, focus on trying to figure out what it is the users are actually trying to do yeah. um, under a tree, beside a stream, next to a building, rather than sitting at the desktop. Yeah, absolutely. So we've briefly, we've briefly touched on uh, the products that you work on in your introduction, but could you talk about just kind of at a high level what they are and why they're useful for these field workflows that we're, we're talking about? Um, so the products that you, you hear me talk about are AppStudio, Survey123, QuickCapture, you mentioned a few already. AppStudio really is the, um, the foundation stone. Anyone can build a field app um, using AppStudio, write once and um, create installation files for um, the devices they need to deploy in. And we use AppStudio ourselves to build our apps. So Survey123 and QuickCapture are both built with AppStudio. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. So. Uh, not only can others use it, we use it ourselves. Um, Survey123 really has taken like field data collection beyond 
anything you can imagine. Um, forms are everywhere. We all use forms. Um, it's surveys taken, GIS in organisations that didn't know they needed GIS. They knew they had a form. Everyone's got a pile of forms they need to um, collect data with. But uh, Survey123 has very much bridged that um, that thinking of how, how am I going to collect data and then what am I going to do with it afterwards. A quick capture, well, as the name says, um, it's designed for a rapid data collection and really um, no different to all of our other systems except that you can automate what those big buttons are that you see on the screen so that uh, you can and tap and go rather than having to fill in fields and um, type, a, type away on the screen. Yeah, that's really, really cool. And so speaking of like, so thinking about those workflows themselves, could you provide like, like, what are some specific examples? Like, because yeah, I can think of like a handful of like, you have this paper form that you've been using, how do you incorporate, you know, GIS into that? So what specific examples for maybe one or two for survey one, two, three and quick capture are, are being used maybe today? Yeah, um, well, obviously, if we all start out with those classic asset data capture and maintenance scenarios, whether it be poles or trees or roads, rail, buildings, you know, new new builds, existing maintenance type activities. They're kind of the um, the first pass field projects that either of them would apply to. Um, but then there's stuff on sort of hard to imagine scales, right? A population census. Um, you've got thousands of field workers going out to visit hundreds of thousands of households in just a sh few short weeks. So, um, the form is the first thing you think of. Everybody's seen the paper form that you fill in for a census. Um, that's a direct uh, paper to digital data um, transformation project. But um, I find those ones quite fascinating, um, more so by the scale. You can figure out how you're going to do one person fill in a form on one device. But um, I remember one of our very first census projects, we'd spent all that time figuring out the form. And then I actually got to physically open the box that contained the hardware that we were going to use in the pilot. I think there was about 100 devices in the box and I had to figure out how we were going to get the app, the survey or the, the form um, on each one of those devices and strip off the games that were on it because, you know, that's a distraction. <laughs> um, so when you have to start thinking of how you're going to do things 100 or 1,000 times over, um, I think that's where it kind of gets pretty fascinating. Um, and now, and that hundred, that's nothing now. Um, <laughs> now the deployments are in there. They're obviously there thousands. Uh, COVID's a dead obvious um, example to use. Everybody's filling in data everywhere on all kinds of devices, whether it's for checking into um, a facility, filling in a form about vaccinations or delivery of goods. I think the city of New York, um, when they opened up after their main lockdown, they had a process where every public venue um, had somebody go around and inspect the venue before they were allowed to open. They were using a survey one, two, three form. Too many examples, I suppose, in that scenario. Um, oh, and then there's like citizen science projects. There's another explosion, right? Um, we're, we're all familiar with GIS in an organization where you sign in and you look at the layers that you need to know. Citizen science projects have taken our tools out there to people that, again, don't know what, what they're actually um, toying with underneath and they don't need to. Um, I think in the last episode, Jeff talked about the pythons. Um, don't worry, there's crocodile <laughs> uh, apps out there so that for citizens, instead of dialing an old fashioned phone number and saying, hey, I've spotted a croc, you can tap a button on a form. Um, mm. A little less intense maybe are the sea turtles again, another um, citizen science project. I think pretty much every creature you can, can think of. 
Um, and again, it, it, that might be a, a simpler form. It's more of an observation, take a photo, automatically figure out, you know, uh, capture date, time and, and other parameters. But as far as GIS is concerned, it's the same thing. We're, we're collecting data, but from a huger audience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think that just shows like the breadth of the ways that you can use like these different apps and how, I, I guess, malleable they are. Has there been any surprising workflows or case studies that you didn't think would be used for? Oh, nothing surprises me anymore. Um, (laughs) Probably though, I think it's more, nothing surprises me now, but at the time they were new and shocking. Like um, I remember years ago going to the user conference and long before things like Business Analyst and ArcGIS Online existed, I remember someone coming up and showing me their their device and saying, hey, look at this, this is cool. Um, I work for... I remember if it was Pepsi or Coke. It was one of those um, kind of <laughs> brands. And there was a distributor in South America and he had all of the places with vending machines um, on his device and he was using it as a sales tool, right? He was going going out and showing people, hey, you'll be the only person with the vending machine in this area um, oh. and sign up. Um, well before. I mean, now that's normal. That's normal kind of uh, uh, analysis yeah. stuff. But um, at the time I remember thinking, oh, wow, that's that's cool. Um, Hurricane Katrina, again, uh, long before, um, uh, even before the iPhone was around, we had somebody at the UC uh, show us how they were using our field app um, for a heritage building survey. So, so much was going on. There was a whole lot of um, work that needed to happen after the hurricane, but he he was taking photos before Mm -hmm. iPhone, taking photos, had them on his uh, mobile GIS um, and was determining what level of restoration works was needed um, after the hurricane. So again, now they're not um, shocking, but at the time, I think what people choose to do before um, it's mainstream is quite quite fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, I mean, the answer could just be everything. Anything you could think <laughs> yeah, of, you can absolutely. apply GIS to. You can, if you can put a point on a map and collect data on it, I mean, it's, you have the universe right there, right in your hands. Um, mm. The world is your oyster. Yeah, Yeah. Pretty exactly. Much. Things get more colorful when you start um, uh, introducing the living, right? So uh, livestock have had tags, ear tags for, for ages, mm-hmm. like little plastic tags. Well, now they're digital and um, they're RFID tags. And so we've got people using our apps with, with livestock, with um, salmon farming. So there's a cool like Bluetooth one thing that you can wave. Um, across the pond, or I think it's a hoop, uh, they actually go through, they can use them for measuring. Um, So collecting data from things that are not stationary is also commonplace now. Um, They're using drones to uh, fly over uh, shellfish farms. Again, automatically populating the fields in the form from what they're they're seeing, like the extent of um, the shellfish bed. So there's nothing surprises me now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, you know, we're, we're at a really solid place today with these apps, these pretty mature, like survey one, two, three, these workflows. So you briefly touched on, you know, with Hurricane Katrina and those workflows that was pre iPhone, that was pre survey one, two, three and quick capture and app studio. So could you talk a little bit about maybe the history of, of how we've gotten here today with this form um, data collection form style of data collection? Yeah. Um, so our, our first Esri field app was uh, released in February 2000. Um, that's 21 years ago. Uh, the internet was pretty much a baby then. You had dial-up modem and um, there was no YouTube. <laughs> iPod, the first iPod didn't come out to 2001. And in GIS, things were 
uh, workstations and shape files. Um, but there were um, handheld computers then too. Um, uh, there was Palm Pilot and Windows Mobile. Uh, at the time, they were marketed as personal organisers really, and obviously not in general use now, but they really are the precursor to the phones that we all have in our pocket. What was particularly cool about Windows Mobile though, was the ability to build apps that could share code with full strength Windows apps. And that that's really one of the fundamental elements of our team's um, development philosophy to this day. That's build once and use everywhere that you can. Okay, not quite everywhere, but everywhere you can. The app we built had the same features that you ran on Windows or Windows Mobile. So when you wrote instructions for the person in the field, you wrote them once and it didn't matter whether they were using a rugged laptop or a handheld device. And we put all the features in that. There was data check-in and check-out the desktops, customization of everything, uh, particularly the forms. There's the word forms, forms and toolbars, advanced symbology, peripheral support, the GPSs, the range finders, synchronization from the field. It did everything. It had heaps of customers, but each customer probably only used about 10% of the app. Thing was, though, they all used a different 10%. Um, so <laughs> uh, it was really hard to sort of keep keep putting the things in that they wanted um, on device and run it on obviously devices that didn't necessarily all have um, the same capability. It was fine on Windows, but not so great on, on Windows Mobile. It didn't take long, obviously, for the two top requests for were for app on um, iOS and app on Android. Mm -hmm. uh, that was scary and exciting because um, they're very different operating systems. They had their own unique development environment. Uh, a lot of features that we knew that had to come across, uh, but we also saw an opportunity to refocus on key parts of the app that were of most value to the customers. But then we also wanted to maintain our build once, use everywhere philosophy. That's when we came across Qt, which gave us an opportunity to hopefully have it all. Uh, Qt gave us a way to write code once and deploy on every platform. Uh, around the same time, ArcGIS runtime matured to a point where we, we couldn't not build upon it. Yeah. So then we were looking at this potential layer cake that allowed us to both, um, both us and our customers to build field apps without reinventing code. Uh, so the first part of obviously ArcPad that we brought back brought into the brave new world was its customization environment, and that's yeah. App Studio, right? So what we learned there, um, the how users customize the app, um, we saw as being the first building block of um, this uh, new world of app creation. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why we use App Studio to build our own apps. Survey123 is most definitely the reincarnation of the customizable forms in ArcPad. Quick Capture, it's even got the name, yeah. comes straight from the Quick Capture toolbar in ArcPad. It was the big buttons, right? Somebody out in the field using gloves couldn't press the teeny tiny buttons on the little device, so um, gave them opportunity to have the big buttons. So uh, Quick Captures definitely come straight from straight from that. That is really cool. I also think it's cool too that, you know, so App Studio was the first of the three, correct? Mm -hmm. And then you yeah. use kind of, okay, what are users doing with it to kind of mm -hmm. influence how you went, especially with Survey123 and then also, and I had no idea that Quick Capture, uh, you know, I, I don't know anything about ArcPad. So it's cool to hear that it's really just kind of these different capabilities that have now manifested themselves in, in the individual apps. Yeah, right. And they're the bits that people recognized or identified with the app. It did so much more, but it's the form customization that there, you know, there are still some people that are using them because they put so much effort into the custom form. That's the bit that they need and they're using it on a Windows tablet. So that project stays as it is. They've gone and used um, Field Maps and Survey and all of our other apps for maybe new projects, but still working. 
they're still using it. Definitely. Yeah. So how do you see these three apps developing and evolving going forward? Well, firstly, of course, we're guided by how people are using the software and um, we're continually responding to their queries and questions and they're pushing things um, definitely. Uh, An area that's obviously got general um, support and interest is uh, machine learning and automation of tasks, any kind of uh, automation of data collection or capture or creation. Um, So we've we've been looking into that and obviously we've been able to integrate um, Esri's deep learning um, tools with our app. Survey123 has a smart camera. Um, how you're going to use a smart camera practically in the field, I think, is uh, still a little open. It's obviously obvious that it could augment your field work. It's not, not going to replace field work. Um, so if you're going out in the field and you're doing inspections and lots of them, um, and it includes a photo, well, then we can automate some of the filling in of the form based on the photo that's captured, uh, but it's not never going to replace it completely. Um, so, Can you ask what uh, a smart camera is? I'm curious. I'm not familiar. Yeah. So uh, in Survey123, there's obviously the, the camera button um, mm-hmm. and we've got a, a custom version of that button that when you take the photo, it actually has behind the scenes access to a um, image classification model and it the model will process effectively process the photo and say, hey, there's a, um, a stop sign and a street sign or a tree of this particular nature and automatically pull out that um, information and populate it in other fields on the form. Probably the most common example that is out there in you know app stores, there's a, quite a lot of uh, plant and tree classification apps made by others. And obviously some of our customers have had a go at it as well. So I think the uh, city of Johns Creek have um uh, map our trees app yeah, that's one that they built with with app studio and a um custom version i think of survey one two three and so anyone could go out take a photo of a tree and it's gonna have a have a stab at classifying I, it that is anyway. just the coolest thing so i i have an app on my phone that i used to like i'm a big book nerd so i keep track of like the books i'm reading and there's a camera button and you can just show the book and then it pulls up all this information about yeah. it too so it's the same concept Maybe. so man <laughs> so i think that that's got a lot of exploration um yeah. to yeah. go for it to become a, a mainstream activity and where it suits use um but then saying that we've we've had you know conversations recently about other features in survey and we thought oh that needed fixing and so we we had a go and showed it to the customer and they were like oh no four seconds slow no no we can't we can't have four seconds um, wait time. We're doing hundreds of these um, and that adds up to however many weeks on our project. So it was a really nice reminder. It was like, well, not just because it might be the obvious solution. It might not be the best solution for the field. So um, populating fields automatically from a photo capture that saves a few seconds could actually be quite a, um, a radical step yeah. in um, a field work project. So exploring that one at the moment. Nice. Very cool. Lots so, to look forward to, it seems. Exactly. So I think it's all the time we have today. But to wrap up, Marika, um, are there any resources that you can point our listeners to to learn more about Survey123, Quick Capture, or App Studio? Oh, well, obviously, firstly, the product resources pages are the window into all of, <laughs> all of the good information. Um, our team's pretty prolific on the Esri community 
slash GNet website. Um, we like to encourage our um, customers to kind of answer each other's questions, but we're not shy of stepping in and sharing some good info there. Uh, the blogging is kind of split between the ArcGIS blog and the community blog. We tend to dive in a little deeper and harder on the community blog because we figure that's where the faithful are and they've already uh, got, got into it. Um, so if you, you're looking for information on the ArcGIS blog and you're feeling it's a little light, head over to Esri Community. Cool. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today, Marika. This has been great. No, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Field Notes podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to Field Notes on your favorite podcast app and join us on the next episode.